So you on your just before we read on the, you can see a map there and on your whatever side that is to you <laughs> on the on the side there in Greece you can see where we are at now. And so last time we were together in Acts we uh, Paul and Silas Paul and Silas were asked asked to leave Philippi. In Philippi, they got beaten, put in jail, and then God miraculously uh, burst open the, the, the prison. The jail is about to kill himself. Paul says, we're still here. Um, he comes in and says, how can I be saved? He cleans their wounds. They share the gospel. He responds. His whole family gets baptized and are saved. Uh, then they're asked to leave the region, uh, and they do. So that's what we're going to see today, uh, that they're going to travel to the next place. They're going to end up in uh, Thessalonica. They're going to travel past a few towns as well. And, and they're going to come to Thessalonica, which is like around, they think, maybe around 200,000 people. Uh, and so they pass the Apollonias and Alapola. They, 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 uh, they go past those. Um, and then uh, you'll see what happens. But just before we do that, we have just, just a couple of videos uh, that will show you. Uh, just to, maybe you can get a little bit of an um, um, little bit of an idea of what maybe it looked like at that time. So Paul, if you play just one video at a time, you can maybe describe um, what um, what they look like. Uh, so here we see some of the some of the ruins, some of the arches. We see some of the yeah the ruins from Thessalonica. You can see some of the things that are uncovered. The, the this is just some of the things that we can still see. That is an amphitheater. It was a free city. It had um, uh, it was um, it could elect its different magistrates and stuff. It was under Roman rule, but it had had different things. Um, if you play the next video, we can have like a view um, over the city. So this is from the Acropolis, from the high point down. And you can see there is a city today also. So, so what we saw is some of the ruins of the old city, um, but there is a city there today also in Greece. So this is giving to give you some, some view of what it looked like. And it is actually a real place, these places we, we go through. Um, so let's uh, let's read together. We'll read the first part. We'll read from one through one, um, from one through fifteen. Now, when they have passed through Ampelios and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where they were a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in as his custom, and on three Sabbath days he reasons with them from the scripture, explaining and providing that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed the, they formed the mob and set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring out, the, bring, bring out to the crowd 
And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason received and Jason received them and and they all acted and they all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people and the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things. And when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. And the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish, the Jewish synagogue. Now those Jews were no more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if the things were so. Many of them therefore believed, with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way by, to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving the command from for, after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. This is the word of the Lord. And so, as we're looking into this text, we're seeing some familiar things. We're seeing the way that. Uh, Paul and Silas, and they, they, they move around. We see how that they come into a new place. And we see that here, um, we see that here, there is a synagogue. As in some of the other places, there was not a synagogue, so they would have to share the good news of Christ to other places. Thessalonica was an influential place, a, quite a, a, a major city on a major um, route. And, uh, and they had uh, access to the port, and they, it, some say it was only rivaled in the area by Corinth, that also was a major, uh, major city. Um, and so when they come in there, there is a Jewish population, and there, there is a synagogue. So we see the way that they function, the, you could say the, the way they conduct their ministry, they go first into the, into the, the synagogue, and and they share, and they share, and we're going to see it a little bit, like how they share. But he gets, he gets three Saturdays to come and share, and and some people would say, what because of we've seen before that if guests came from other places, they might have even been invited to share, uh, as we saw Paul was before. So he gets to share for three Sun, uh, <laughs> not Sundays, but Saturdays, three Sabbath days, he gets to share, and he gets to share. Uh, with them, and now some other commentators would say that they stay longer before they kick, get kicked out uh, of Thessalonica. Because in Philippians, it's, it indicates that he gets help from the Philippians two times while he while he's at the, Th- the Thessalonians. So maybe it's like one of the other places we see that they reason in the synagogues until they kicked out of there. And then you have a place where he, read, he, he rents the house right next door, the Hall of Tyrannus, and, 
and, uh, and, and uses that. So maybe that is also a case here before they get kicked out um, and they form a mob. Um, but what does Paul do? We see in the text that when he comes in, it's not just presenting. You have him saying, he reasons with them. He, he starts to reason, not just using his own reason. Now, what is he reason from? He reasons from the Old Testament. He reasoned from the Scripture. So Paul's not making these things up. He's reasoning from the Scriptures. And then he explains. Uh, just, it's so interesting to see. Um, it's such a pattern of what Jesus does. We're going to get this to that later. But, but he, he shows even how Jesus, Jesus taught him. He's supposed to show how Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior from the Old Testament. He shows that he reasons with them, talks with them. And then he explains it to them. Just as the disciples didn't understand a lot of these people don't understand either. They're expecting something different. Uh, Paul is ex explaining to them. And we'll see. What is it that he needs to explain? Well, he needs to explain just the mystery that we talked about last time. He needs to explain that it was necessary. That the Messiah was not the Messiah that he wanted to come and be a political leader and destroy the Romans. No, it was... It was said in Isaiah and other places noted that Christ was the one that was going to come and suffer and die again and die and rise again and that was necessary Paul says it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and die and rise again and he says who is this person and Paul says it's Jesus it's this person it's whom I proclaim, whom I became a witness of. He is that Messiah. He is the Lord. He is the Savior. And that was what we celebrated last week. That Jesus came and he did that. That's, that's what Paul has been a witness about. That's why he gets in so much trouble among the Jews. Because they rejected who Jesus was. So Paul just, he emphasized this and he says like, what does that mean? Well, this means that you can have salvation. You can have your sins forgiven. And that the good news was from all, all the nations. And if you take uh, the PowerPoint, Luke 24, we can read that together. I just thought it was so good last week <laughs> and explains the gospel so well. Um, and he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me, so this is Jesus speaking to the disciples, everything written about me in the law of Moses, in the prophets, and in the Psalms must be fulfilled that he had to suffer and die. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of the Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. So he's talking about how he's going to send the Holy Spirit to empower the disciples to be witnesses. This is so interesting. This is what Paul and Silas are doing. 
They're doing just what, what Jesus has told them to do. And they're explaining who Jesus is just as he had done to them. They are trying to reason, to explain, to proclaim who Jesus is to these people. So when, when we're just thinking about, okay, so what does that mean for us? Like, what, with which questions, like, questioning things, so the question is that maybe we don't want to ask, or maybe we do want to ask, is like, are we able to do what Paul did? Are we able to do what Silas did? If Jesus has come to us and explained who he is, are we able to reason from Scripture? And if you take the slide with Peter, First Peter, are we able to to explain what Jesus has done in us? Not not only as a testimony, but that is good, but also from the Scriptures, can we show that for us there is no grave because Jesus rose again. Can we show that Jesus is the Lord God, the Savior, the one who sets us free from our sin? Can we show that from the scriptures as well? And Peter, he encourages us and he says, but honor Christ, but in your heart, honor Christ, the Lord as holy. Always prepare to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. So can we explain the hope we have in us? That Jesus Christ has saved us, our darkness, into new life. Can we explain that to other people as a testimony? But can we also, can we also do it from the scriptures? Can we show people who Jesus is from the scriptures? And not just make stuff up. <laughs> like, Paul doesn't make stuff up. We shouldn't be making stuff up. We should be able to explain what the Lord has done in us personally, but also as we study, as, we, as Jesus reveals more from us, as he's teaching us through his word, we, were on, we will be able to do what Jesus did first. And then Paul and the disciples, we will be able to explain who Jesus is from the scriptures. That people can see we're not making stuff up. That's, that's why the Bible's here. That's why I ask you to, to, to have the Bible open at the passages that you can tell me no, that's not true you said something wasn't right so I just don't make things up and yeah, so we, we can see what is the real thing can we explain why Jesus had to die and rise again can we explain the gospel that way most people are like, why did he have to die well that's why he had to die that was the plan from the beginning, the whole redemption story. That we had rebelled against God, that it had to be that there had to be a sacrifice, that had to be an offering, a willing offering. And God made that possible. Can we explain that to our families and to our friends and to for the people who ask, what is the hope that you have in you? And prayerfully we're living lives so people will ask us. What is the hope? What is the joy that you have? Then, what is the first response when you're looking back? Like, what's the first response Paul gets? Well, the first response is really good. It's, it's really good. Some of the people, they are persuaded. And they join. They join Paul and Silas. And you say, well, maybe they're kicked out of three weeks. So they're joining the new group. They're joining the new gathering, the new church. And it's interesting to see how 
uh, Luke, he emphasizes like there was both both uh, Jews, also also many of the devout Greeks, you know, the ones that were seeking God, that were in the already uh, looking for God. And then he says, but there was also many leading women. So we have these three categories. And if you read comments, all sorts of things. Like in this particular place, the women actually had a very higher standing than normal. And they could own businesses, they could do different things. So compared to times, even in Israel and in other places, there was more freedom for the women here. And it's interesting to say that see that they were well standing because some of the accusations later on in Christianity is like oh no it's only poor people that want that only the poor people are dumb enough to follow Jesus well here there are some of, of high standing so it goes to anything all social classes male female Jews Greeks maybe also people of Roman descent or other places that's been in in this area so great there's a great response people are responding they believe the testimony that Jesus is, is the Christ and that he's risen. The question is also for you that at home, is that how we respond to Jesus? When you've been presented with Jesus, have you believed that Jesus is who he said he is? When somebody explained to you, oh, this is who Jesus is, did you believe that? Did you believe that Jesus is the Lord God who died and rose again and is coming back? Is that your response today? As we prayed before the service, Abel was just saying, yeah, just people just, you know, come to the stream hopeless and they will find Jesus. I don't know, maybe you're there. And today would be the day you, you will see who Jesus is and you will have your mind changed and want to follow him. That is our prayer for you if you just drop by. The rest of us should just be thinking about that. It's like, is this really still my joy? I have trusted Jesus. Is he still my joy? There's another response. <laughs> you can also respond another way. And you guessed it. Yes, it's the Jews. This time they're jealous. Again jealous. But not just like a little bit jealous. You're jealous of something. No, they're jealous in a violent way. <laughs> they... They find some wicked man of the rabble. They said, like, wicked men just hanging out different places. And then they form a mob. And then they try to start a riot to, to, get the, to, to catch the people and drag them in so that hopefully the mob would, like, either destroy them or they would have them convicted by, by the city assembly. And we talked about, I think, maybe some weeks ago, like, all the accusations that's against Paul and Silas they're like, they're, they're, they're disturbing the peace. They're like, just turning things upside down. They're acting against Caesar's decrees. It's so ironic because it's actually the Jews that are doing all those things. Where we see Paul comes with a message of peace and hope. And it's not stirring up any violence. But the, <laughs> the, the Jews are of a different opinion and they they try to lay violent hands on the believers and then they accuse them of all sorts of things and sometimes we and I called it I even had it as a line like they have turned the world upside down 
and they have also come here. Uh, and Jason received them, so we need to punish Jason because we can't find the believers. And they're acting against the they're acting against the decrees of Caesar, and they say there's not a king. Like so it's all these accusations, and and most of them probably don't make so much sense. I mean, maybe it's a maybe it's a prophecy fulfilled later on, but to say that the believers at this point in time have turned the world upside upside down will be a gross, a gross, gross, a big overstatement. As we have seen so far, there are some thousands of believers. Yes, later, later, they will go to many, many people. But at this point in time, that might be an overreach and an overaccusation and just grabbing for something to accuse them about. And he also just, they just grab whoever. Like they grab Jason, other people, all the brothers who's, who's come to believe and they drag them in find whatever they can accuse him of and trying to do that before the council of the city. And then the, the, all the things, I was like, are the Jews loyal to Rome? No, they're not really. It's not like they just, like, hey, we just love Caesar, he's our God, he was our king. They're not, really, they're not. So a lot of the charges are just strange, in some sense. But you could look at, and so it's not like the desire of the Jews to honor Caesar as king. But if we should be like a little bit, and I'll come to some conclusion later, not just saying that the Jews are not uh, our evil people, because that's not the point here. The point is, who is who are they working for? Who is their father? Is it the father of lies, as Jesus at some point says? Is it the devil? Is it the, the real opponent? Yes, thank you. And uh, because of Paul, I don't know, that's Jesus, he, he says this. You are of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one convinced me of sin? I tell you the truth. Why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Paul has spoken the words of God. These people rebel and work out of what's in them. They cannot hear because they're not of God. And so they, so that's just like, as we're reading through Acts and as we, the whole storyline of the Bible is, and, and even today, is there is a real spiritual battle, battle going on. So when we see opposition, violence, people out to kill people, there's something behind it. So a real spiritual war. So they're rebelling against God to have their own way. So they're acting out of those things, inspired by the evil one. So how do we respond to Jesus? 
how do we respond to people who reject or accept the gospel? And as we talked about before, how have you responded to Jesus? I will follow him as Lord and Savior. Is that you? Have you encouraged other people to follow him? Or you be like, no, be more like the Jews. No, I want to live for myself because I think I'm a better guy. And I just want to admonish you and encourage you. You are not a very good guy, God. You have lied to yourself and disappointed yourself many times. You cannot save yourself. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I would ask you to reconsider Jesus because he's a way better God, all more, all powerful. Maybe you need to consider who your father is. Are you really blinded by the enemy, the world, the flesh, and the devil, your own desires and motivation? Have they blinded you and made you deaf, deaf, deaf to the good news of the gospel? Another question for us is like, how do we how do we respond when our message is not received? I don't know if you're like me. Sometimes that can be frustrating. You're trying to share the words of God, and and people are not responding. Or even if you're trying to do good, and you're misunderstood, and and you are provoked to anger, to jealousy, to hurt. Do we seek the peace that we see? Paul and his team seeking the peace, or do we? Gather a crowd to beat up our opponents. And you might say, well, I'm not like that. You know, I won't we'll gather a crowd and we can't do that because of COVID. No, but you have heard me say it many other times. It happens all the time. It's online. You see people gathering in groups, being outraged about all sorts of things. Like some people doing something, <laughs> something wrong goes viral. There's all these uh, storms of all sorts of things. So it's a hard issue. Do I, do I seek the peace or do I seek my own revenge and to destroy my enemies? So how do we respond? Does it look more like the Jews or does it look like Jesus who asked us to pray for our enemies? Paul and Silas who seeks the good of other people who keeps proclaiming the gospel. They could have just gone home like these people are annoying. Let's just go somewhere else. But they keep traveling around sharing Christ with them. We read that the authorities were disturbed and troubled, and so were the people. But they don't really do anything. They don't really investigate the case. I was just thinking, couldn't they have asked some questions to the Jews? Like, what exactly do they teach? What exactly is it to do? Because it seems like they don't give them a hearing, the believers or anything. And I just reminded the Proverbs eighteen seventeen, like a case like seems so clear when it's only one side. But then when the other person comes and shares their story, then all of a sudden, oh maybe it's not so clear as it was before. So we have them giving bail, which means which seems to mean that they need to leave. Like they can't stay. That's kind of part of what it is. Um, so Paul and Silas, they're sent by night to Berea. Uh, and that's also a city, a city that's known today. It's called as Berea. And it's 45, it's 40 to 45 miles away. It would have taken three days on foot. And I just, it was just a reminder, by, a reminder that as we read Acts, 
is an account over years, and the accounts are traveling. And later on, when Paul gets in prison, it's going to be an account of years uh, of the first church. It's not one day, one day, one day. Because, and it's just been great, great for me as we walk through Acts to see, like, well, just traveling the distances, that actually takes time. So three days on foot would have taken. Um, and I do believe, like, it, it reminded me about the thing, but like, I do believe it should spur us on to everyday faithfulness. Because, because sometimes in our lives we're like looking for these big mega miracles, big things to happen. But just like plants and children, which I apologize for using the same illustration again and again, we do not see them grow, but they do grow. So everyday faithfulness, everyday obedience is how we grow in Jesus. And so you might say, it's just another Tuesday and no miracles from heaven. But I sought the Lord. I talked to him today. I have prayed today. I have loved my family. I have worked well with my fellow students. I have shared uh, my life with people. But no flashing light or things happen. Most of the time it doesn't. So everyday faithfulness. So you have to be faithful if you're Paul and Silas, you're walking three days to the next city. When they get there, Paul does as he's done in all the other places along with, uh, with Silas. They go into the synagogue and they share about Jesus. Here the response is so different. The response of the Bereans is uh, like, maybe if you know it, it's like a classical, like, these guys, this is what we want to be. We want to be like these guys, the Bereans. They are eager, they are willing, they are eager and willing to hear the word. And they take out the scriptures daily and they examine what Paul said. Is this true? This is why you should, that's what I said before, it's why you should have your Bible out. And you can point to things. If I say something that's not true, you check it. Same thing with what you see on the internet and everybody else who speaks. Can you check if it's true? Don't just believe it. I know we're in information overload. I know we're in outrage culture. Don't believe stuff if you can't check whether it's true or like Jesus is actually spoken that way as well. And also some people can say, Jesus did this, Jesus said, yeah, yeah, can we see that he did it? Uh, so we have the scriptures to check it. And so they do. They have a willingness, they have an eagerness. They search the scriptures daily to see whether Paul was true. And Luke has a beautiful sentence. He says, and therefore many believe. Because they searched the scripture. They, did not, they were not prejudiced against them. They searched the scripture. They sought the Lord. And many believed. Again, several Greek women, men, women of high standing also believed. Uh, you know, parenthesis question is, are we eager and willing to keep studying the scriptures day by day? Like I said before, every day, Humble obedience to the Lord, seeking Him through His Word, through prayer, daily. Can we see ourselves in these Bereans saying, when I hear somebody talk about Jesus or something, I want to see whether that's true. 
I want to see when they reference something. Is this the truth of God? Then I want to follow. I want to believe that the Lord is Jesus. Can we see that? Can we search that? And then a question for us that I think is just so important that I think something we need to win back totally is that do we trust that when people eagerly search the scriptures, they will believe. They will, God will reveal himself. Like why, when we hand people a Bible, or read the Bible with people, do we believe that they will, if they seek the Lord with all their heart, God will reveal himself to those people. Do we believe that? Because we need to reject the lie that maybe culture and maybe even some some inside the church is like, well, you know, people can't understand the Bible by themselves. They have to have, like, it's too hard, you know, you have to be an expert. It's like, no, it's not true. It's a lie from the evil one. Yes, can it be that people need help to understand things? Yes, but we can't go from there to say that the simplicity of the gospel, even a child can read and understand and believe. I, need, I believe we need to claim that back and not let lies cloud ourselves and say, no, no, those people can't believe. No, many people have been saved reading the Word of God. Because it's not about reading only. It's about the Holy Spirit opening up the text so people would see, having their eye, eyes open and their ears open. And the Scriptures can do that. So we still want to help people. And we can do that by studying it together. And not just throwing a Bible at them, but studying it together, saying, hey, do you have questions? Can I pray with you? Can we do it together? we got to believe that God makes himself known also through this way. And then it's like, now everything's going great. Things are responding again. People are believing. But then the Jews from Thessalonica, <laughs> like they are some like, they're devoted people. They're going to like travel three days on foot or maybe they could travel faster by horse or something. But they're devoted, man. There's a strong commitment. But it's fueled by jealousy. Again, it's, is this a motivation, again, of the father of lies? Do we see here the attempt to stop them as the spiritual warfare. Again, mob violence, motivated by selfish ambition, jealousy, doing the work of the devil to try to stamp out the work of God. So again, Paul is sent on. This time he is good. they sent him down to the sea. And so people would say, well, seems like Paul is the one that's the most known of them so they send him away and the other people just actually stay behind and encourage uh, the believers so Silas and Timoth Timothy is all there he, they can encourage the church there but Paul was staying all the way to Athens and that's really long but this time it was, it was by ship so the travel would have been, been, been not has taken as long time as if they would have walked, it would have taken a very, very long time. Um, and I was just like, as we see this happening, 
we see that they are split up as a team. And it's really interesting because a lot of times we talk about Paul. And I just I really think Acts also emphasizes and also the also the, the the letters emphasizes that Paul is almost never alone. He has a team of people. There's a team ministry. Yeah, maybe he's the one speaking, but there's a team around him. So now the team is split up, but as soon as he goes to Athens, he says to the people, hey, when you get back, send them back to me. Send Timothy back to me and send Silas back to me so we can we can go minister as a team again. So it's not about, it's never about being alone. A lone wolf just running around. No, it's about having a team. Even when Jesus sends out his disciples there too. You as a believer, who's on your ministry team? Who are you doing ministry with? Who's encouraging you? Even as you're walking faithfully day by day, who's encouraging you? Who are you encouraging? And do you see your life with Jesus as a team effort? So this this is what we got today from the text. I just want to round it up by by recapping. And so we see that mission is what Jesus said it was. It's explaining who Jesus is, each place they come, explaining from to the Jews, explaining who Jesus is, is, that he is the Messiah. When we come to the Gentiles and the place that are Gentiles, it's about the Lord of heaven and earth, the creator of all things. He has sent a redeemer. And so they explain, explain that. We'll see that also next week. And we saw it as he was went to the river, the river, uh, the river with the ladies at, uh, at one of the cities. Can you see just historically how Jesus and the followers of Jesus actually has turned up the, turned the world upside down? There's a, it's an accusation to get some people beat up, but God actually did change everything through His Son. We see the different responses, and I already talked a lot about that. We see the different responses. Are we willing? Are we willing, able? Actually, are we willing and able to hear the good news and the word of God? Or do I decide, like, I don't want to hear this. I don't need this. It's, it's, it's foolishness. I think we have a PowerPoint there. Um, and that would be the one where maybe we don't have that one. The yeah, PowerPoint where... No, we don't. I forgot to put that one in. Um, but we have another one. <laughs> but you can find the verse that's like, the cross is foolishness for people that don't believe. Do we actually have it? Do we have it? I yeah, I don't have it on. Sorry. Uh, maybe this is it John 16? John 16, 33? It should be there as a PowerPoint. The last one. Yes. Thank you. That's the one. Yeah. So this is from Christians. I forgot to put that one in. For those who are perishing, the message of the cross is foolishness. Foolishness. But to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. So that's the that's what Paul writes to the Corinthians. Do you see it as the power of God to be saved 
or is the cross of Christ foolishness to you? We're reminded today that we're in the same battle. We're in a spiritual battle. Why is sharing Jesus hard? Why is sharing Jesus with the people you love the most even harder? It's because there's a real enemy that wants to keep people in the dark. And we need to not be uh, we need to not be surprised when those things happen. Uh, can you put John 16 on? Is that up there? Yes. But we need to take take heart in this. And this is Jesus saying, I said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So yes, we're in a fight. That's true. But it's not our fight. It's Jesus' fight because he's already won. So walking in Jesus, not full of fear, walking in Jesus' joy, he clears the path and makes people hear. We just need to not be lulled to sleep or into following the father of lies. So we gotta just ask us the question. It's not an easy question, but like who are you actually working for? Are you working for the father of lies? Or for or the Lord of glory? Are you working for the devil or are you working to praise Jesus? And so as we read that verse also, that we can live our lives in the the sureness that these are the words of salvation. Oh, the, the can you the, the Corinthian verse? There, oh, I love it. Thank you, Thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us through triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved, and among those who are perishing, one a fragrance of death to death. To other fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? So Paul is saying as we live our lives. People would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they would be like oh it's a fragrant fantastic aroma. And we could be saved by that. Some people. The children of the devil if they will not repent. Would say it's a fragrance from death to death. But we can take joy in that Jesus Christ has overcome Satan, death, and our shame, pain, and guilt. And that is the good news that Paul, Silas, and all the other ones were proclaiming. And we're still here proclaiming the same thing. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. Thank you so much for reminding us that whatever situation we're in, or however we are there, the Lord Jesus, you have won the battle against the evil one. That you are the Lord God. You have crushed the serpent. 
We don't have to believe any lies. We can come to you in truth. Help us, Lord, to seek you daily, obediently following you, believing that you want to show us even more who we are. Believing that you're continuing to save people. You're just continuing to draw people to yourself. That your word is just as strong as it is today as it's always been. Help us, Lord, we ask that we just see that you won the war. You won the spiritual battles. And if we walk in you, you're going to show that. And Lord, we just ask and pray to believe that you would lead us and guide us to see how you would save many through our fellowship. That as we make you known, Jesus, that you would draw many people to yourself. And we ask that we would do that to the glory of your praise of your glory. And Lord, help us to not go at that alone, knowing that you're with us, but in teams, support and encourage one another as well. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Thank you so much that we can share this good news with one another. In Jesus' name, amen. And so I want to invite you in here, as I do in the end, to, uh, to get up from your couch and to uh, come in, participate, receive the benediction. And so one thing is you do physically, you get up and you participate now. You are allowed to sit down through the whole sermon. So get up and then receive the, the benediction. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you so much for this time that we had together. I pray you are challenged. I pray you are encouraged. And also, if something just stirred your heart, share it. Who do you want to share this with? Do you want to share with one of your colleagues? Do you want to share with your neighbor? Do you want to share it with somebody? I want to encourage you to do that as well. So thank you so much for this time. May the Lord give you a blessed week in Him. So we'll see you next week.